if you've got a Bible, um, you can go ahead and open it up to Galatians 6. That's where I'm going to start. So we're here to talk to you today about boundaries. So anybody know what a boundary is? Okay. Raise your hand if you know what a boundary is. All right. There's one word. It's a great word to think of as a boundary. A boundary is a fence. Okay? A boundary is a fence. All right? What does a fence do? A fence tells you where a property line starts and stops. Okay? And just like that, we have personal boundaries. They're where we start and other people stop. They're also where other people start and we stop. So it's important. It kind of sounds like it's just a play on words, but it's actually important to think of where you start and where you stop. All right? Some of us, like me, start and stop a little bit you know, further back and <laughs> forward than others. I'm working on that. I'm working to bring my boundaries in. It's tough, just like life. Okay, so anyway, um, uh, it, it really talks, uh, boundaries are what belongs to you and what it is that you're responsible for, okay? So when you think of what belongs to you, it's the things that you own, the things that are yours that nobody can take away from you, okay? And it's also what you're responsible for. Okay, the things that you have to be responsible for, all right? So think of boundaries as a fence, and it shows you what's yours, what's not yours. It also shows you what somebody else's is. Nancy and I had a, you know, at our house, we kind of, we live up in the, in the, in the hills, and um, we don't have, you know, things are not square, and property lines are kind of weird, and we had this issue with our neighbor where um, he started cutting down some trees on what we thought was our property. <laughs> so I go down and talk to him, like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, well, you see, you see that? That's where the boundary is. And sure enough, we looked it up, and it's like, sorry. <laughs> Felt kind of dumb. Um, not the first time, won't be the last, I'm sure. So um, what is it that we are responsible for, okay? You ever, it's not something that we necessarily normally think of, right? What is it that we own, and what is it that we're responsible for, all right? So there's kind of roughly seven categories that um, we've thought of. And it's important to think about these things in life. And, you know, life is difficult, and this is a kind of a screwy world. You know, if you walk out the door, you know, at any point in, in the day, you'll realize that, right? Um, so your feelings, okay? You're responsible for your feelings and not anybody else's. Your body. You're responsible for your body, not anybody else's. And I also want you to remember that your body is your own, okay? And it doesn't belong to anyone else. And that's important, especially for you ladies. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about all these. Your time, your thoughts, your values, your actions, and your choices, okay? So your feelings. Has anybody ever said or heard, you made me angry? Yeah, mm, been there. <laughs> you know, I grew up in kind of a crazy household, and I heard that a lot. And, you know, I kind of thought, well, that's, you know, if you ever grew up in a crazy household, and, you know, when you were a kid, and you said maybe your parents said to you, you made, why, stop making me angry, or you're making me angry, or you're making me this, you're making me that, you're making me sad, you're making me happy, you know, all that stuff. It's nobody makes you feel anything. <laughs> Sometimes people do things that elicit a response, okay? So think about it that way, and it's, and it's really, it sounds like it's not that big a deal, but it is, because it makes you responsible for yourself when you think about 
when they do that, it makes me sad. Or they do that and I feel sad. Subtle, subtle difference. It's kind of like the difference between you and I. Like when I say, you know when you do this? It's actually, you know when I do this? <laughs> it's very different. Um, so think of, think of your feelings as your own and that nobody can make you feel anything. Sometimes people do things that elicit an emotional response. Okay? And it's important to think about where and when and why that happens. Your body. All right? Um, we got kind of stigmas about bodies. Um, tattoos. Weight. Um, and, and, you know, those are things that y you get to do with your body what you want. You know, even when you get married. You know, I got a lot fatter after I got married. And I'm not too proud of it, but... <laughs> She loves me anyway. That's the great thing about this woman is that she loves me no matter what. But, you know, it, it's my body and I get to do with it what I want. And nobody should ever shame you about your body. Okay? Sometimes you can be concerned about other people's health, but it's different than shaming. You know, and it's a big problem in society. The same thing with tattoos. Anybody, everybody gets to do with their body what they want. You know, God created us. The, the Bible says that it is, that Jesus, it is for freedom that he set us free. So we get to do with our bodies whatever we want, okay? God gave us a body. He gave us choice, and we get to do what we want with it. Um, and, and the big deal, uh, young ladies, single ladies, even married ladies, you never, and, you know, and I hope I'm not stigmatizing here because it also goes for men. You never owe sex to anyone, all right? The Bible does talk about how, you know, uh, when you're married that, you know, your body is not your own. It also belongs to your spouse. But especially when you're single. You know, we, we, we hear a lot of, uh, of women, of young girls say or think that they owe sex to somebody because they bought me dinner. You know, I, you know maybe you say, I, I owe, you know, I should do that because, well, they're, they're nice to me, they bought me, they expect it. Um, it's not the truth. You never owe that to anybody. It's yours. It's yours to give. Um, your thoughts, okay? Um, you ever hear, this is kind of a sensitive subject, um, but the rape defense. Well, they were dressed this way, you know, or, or they went to this party. So, you know, they were inviting it. No, I'm sorry. That's never the case. There is never an excuse to violate that. Okay, that is a very clear boundary. You're, there's never a reason why, why anybody should do that to another person. You know, adults with children... I mean, how horrible that is to violate that kind of a boundary at such a young age. Your values, okay, was, I got a little quick story. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was in college, I dated this girl, and, you know, I was, I was new into my faith, and Christianity was a really big deal for me, and I really wanted to share uh, my faith with everyone. Um, and I had a, uh, the girlfriend, the girl that I was dating at the time, she, I, I was, I was, you know, the, the subject came up. I was hanging out with her and her friends, and the subject of, of Jesus came up, and I started talking to them. And afterward, she came up, and she, she was really angry, and she said, don't ever do that again. I was like, what? She's like, don't ever talk about Jesus to my friends. I was like, why? You know, you know so I'm thinking... How ridiculous. What are you talking about? I don't talk to that's you know, that wasn't her value, but she was also trying to do something to me where she was saying, Don't do that. I was like, I'm sorry, that's the most important thing in the world to me. 
you know, is sharing my faith, and, and, and you can't stop that, and I didn't really, I, I, you know, it kind of like was this big, like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? You know, I didn't have the strength at that point in my life to, to sever ties, because I was too emotionally attached, but, you know, the point is, is that those values, there are certain values that, that you want to have as a, as like the highest priority, and that nothing can violate them, and, you know, for me, it's my commitment to God, and Nancy respects that, you know, and, and it's something that I'm always trying to do. So she'll never violate that value that I have, that God is always first. God is above my wife, you know, and it's the same way for her, you know, and, and who am I to ever say, you're spending more time with God than you are with me. I'm sorry, that's, you know, that's, and I have to respect that. That's her value, you know, and I married that, and I knew that. And that's the thing is that you should know these things before you get married. It's important to know what your values are, what all these boundaries are. It's important to know that stuff before you get into a lifetime commitment. Okay, your actions. <laughs> um, you ever hear the expression, that person drives me to drink? <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes people actually use it, and it's not the truth. You, everybody makes their own choices to do what they want, okay? There, there's a very big difference in um, what you want and what you need, all right? You, you <laughs> Morgan Freeman, you ever, anybody ever see the old movie, Lean on Me? Okay, you ever remember that line that Morgan Freeman says, the only two things I need to do are stay black and die. <laughs> well, Michael Jackson disproved the first one, but, oh! <laughs> I think we'll edit that out. <laughs> no, serious, seriously, there's, you know, your wants are based on your needs, okay? It, you know, um, if you, or uh, the other way around, your needs are based on your wants, Okay, do you want to live? Well, then keep breathing, you know, and drink a reasonable amount of water. You know, do you want a relationship with this person? Well, then there are certain things that you're going to need to do. All right, and that's a big thing is that all this stuff in relationships. All right, um, when I was in college, I got into a fight because a friend of mine, you know, started something. And I got my nose busted for it, and I was like, for the longest time, I was, I was like. Man, that guy, he freaking, he's the one that started it, and I got my nose busted. No, I, I, I didn't, I, I got in, I got myself involved, you know. That, it was my stupid decision, you know. So, you know, and that's the other thing is that, you know, you get to make choices, even bad ones, you know. Everybody gets to make their choices, you know, and, and people never, you never want to shame or ridicule somebody for their choices. They are their choices. Everybody's free to make them. God respects that. God respects us to make our own free, free, you know, our own free will choices. You know, in, in Deuteronomy, God says, see, I set before you today life and death, um, blessing and cursing. Choose life, he says. He tells us, choose life, all right? But he doesn't say, if, you know, and he says, you know, if you don't, well, the, there's going to be consequences, right? He's just saying the end result, choose life and, and um, we're going to... Uh, you know, and, and, and do all the things that, that pertain to life. So I'm, st I'm still get, I'm going to get to that Galatians uh, scripture, I promise. Um, and actually, I'm going to get to it right here, okay? Um, Galatians 6, 2, verse 5 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And just a word on that. I like this version a lot better than the NIV. 
Um, the NIV says take pride in what he does, and that pride is never a good thing because pride elevates you above other people. It's, you know, th this is a lot more accurate where it talks about um, rejoice in what you do. Okay? Verse 5 says, for each one shall bear his own load. Okay, so in verse 2 and verse 5, you see the difference. There's, 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 there's burdens and there's loads. There's, um, we bear one another's burdens, the things that, like, we walk through life with other people. Okay, but you eat, everybody has to carry their own load. Everybody wants to, you know, you want to be responsible for yourself. Okay, not for somebody else. So um, wh where do we run into problems with, with boundaries? Okay, boundaries are very real things. Um, and it's easy to get confused in this world about what um, is yours and what's not yours. You know, it's, it's, this is kind of, you know, maybe, you know, a different idea than, than, you know, you've ever heard of. You probably, a lot of people have heard about boundaries, so you know the idea. But, you know, where we, where we talk about where we end or where another person ends, a lot of times we think about just the, this, you know, what you're not allowed to do to me, what I'm not allowed to do to you, you know. And um, so... Um, Problems, problems with boundaries show up in a few ways, okay? Codependence, all right? Codependence um, and people-pleasing. Codependence is basically when you make yourself responsible for somebody else's happiness, all right? Um, you are never responsible for somebody else's happiness. You know, guys are kind of guilty of this when you say, oh, happy wife, happy life, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, and, and okay, I don't want to say that there's no truth to that. I, I actually, I love when Nancy's happy. I, it, it really, I, I smile when Nancy's happy. I love doing things that make her happy. Um, but to the point where you're willing to compromise on who you are and say, like, if that person's not happy, then I can't be happy. That's codependence, all right? Um, and the, the, the receiving end of a codependent person is usually a narcissist. It's a person that's totally self-absorbed. They, they suck everything in. I've been both in my life. Um, still struggle with codependence, you know, these days. Still, I still deal with that. Um, enabling. When you enable, when you don't, when you kind of, when you stop um, somebody from receiving the consequences of their poor actions. Okay? We see this a lot in addiction, with, alcoholic, with alcoholics, with drug addicts, um, in, and in everything, really. I mean, enabling happens everywhere where a person does, you know, it can be where a person does something and, um, you know, they spend all their money, say they spend all their money on, you know, on whatever. And you say, okay, well, you know, you're not helping out with the bills. Well, I'm sorry, you can't stay here. Enabling person says, well, you can continue to not sow into this relationship. Um, I'll just toe the line for it. Enabling and codependence sort of go, go together. A lot of these things go together. Um, so it's like it's deferring consequences or like, you know, passing the buck. You know, we see that with the economy, you know, that we keep borrowing and borrowing money. You know, if you're a, if you're a compulsive borrower or spender, you know, credit cards or credit card companies are great at this. You know, they, they defer those consequences and eventually you're like, oh, my goodness, I, I am $50,000 in debt. What do I do? You know, you're out on the street. So uh, the world kind of, you know, and we're going to be talking about um, faith with finances. Um, uh, in, the f in the upcoming series, so I really encourage you to check that out. Okay, manipulation. Um, manipulative people. You can be manipulative. You can be in relationships with, with manipulative people. They sh it shows up in two ways, okay? Ma manipulation is playing on somebody's weaknesses in order to get them to do what you want. 
All right. So usually there's there's a there's a, a victim, um, and, well, there's always a victim and a and, a, and an aggressor, um, and it happens in two different ways. Okay. There's active aggression and passive aggression. You've heard of the term passive aggressive. Well, there's also active aggressive. All right. An active aggressive person is is the uh, is the um, uh, the abusive spouse. All right. Someone who you know who, who who will beat you physically, beat you into submission. Now you still have a boundary there. You still have a boundary, even in those kinds of relationships. You can leave. All right. You don't ever have to stay. It's your life. It's your body. You don't have to stay with that person. Okay. And this is a great thing in trusting God in relationships is that if you know that God is your supply and not that person, then that can help you. And that's where we encourage faith in God to be your source, not the other person. Passive aggression is the kind that I'm more familiar with, again, both on the receiving end and, and, on, the, uh, um, uh, and, and on the giving end, is the silent treatment. You ever done that? Uh, you know, where you, where you kind of withdraw love or you, um, you, you, uh, you make little sarcastic ba backhanded remarks. I always said that if I had a, you know, an, an alter ego, a supervillain alter ego would be Sarcastro. Um, you know, where you think, oh, well, I guess we're just going to eat everything today, aren't we? You know, <laughs> things like, you know, I, I, I make stupid comments like that. It's, you know, really, it's like Nancy's like, why are you always being so sarcastic? <laughs> like, guess I'm too scared to do it in real life. You know, <laughs> active aggressive can be, can be verbal. It can be like, you're an idiot, you know, you know, where you really talk down to people. You know, it can be... Um, it can be verbal, it can be emotional, it can be physical. Um, passive aggression uh, usually shows up in the verbal emotional way. Um, and, it's, and it's more that kind of like, I'm, you know, I do this thing with Nancy, you know, we, we always, we knew that this was gonna be a problem when we got together. We talked, uh, we're gonna have, you know, the I don't care contest. It's like, you know, I'm just gonna walk away, I don't care. You know, it's a tough thing, and this is really, guys, this is really for the guys. God calls us to be the head, okay? And women, you should have a guy that is going to take charge and is going to, first of all, apologize. Second of all, say what's bothering him. Okay? A man that doesn't say what's bothering him, there, there's, there's stuff that it's involved there. And I'm not saying that it's like just throw him out. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But look for a guy, that, you know, and look in your relationship to find a, a person who's going to at least work toward that. Okay, and guys, that's a way. That's a great way to grow, and it really can get your needs met. Because really, it's like when I'm doing the silent treatment, it's I'm not getting my needs met. You know, that's what's going on there. You know, I'm not talking about the things that bother me, and I and I can't feel happy. I'm just I get you know. Nancy's been amazing because she's fought through that when I've been when I've won the I don't care contest. You know, um, so women, you can really be a great thing to your man in that respect. You know, um, encourage. And don't shame, you know, to, to get a guy to change. Okay, that's that passive-aggressive manipulation. So, um, so that's my little bit. You know, we want to carry our own load, you know, but we also want to bear one another's burdens. And, and, and the trick is finding the difference. And, and community and prayer, you know, church and prayer can really help you to find that. So we encourage you to look and we want to, you know, um, we want you to have the best, you know, I want you to have the best relationship you possibly can, and this really, really helps in marriage. And, you know, you can get past the hurt feelings, you can, you can forgive, and, 
and you can have great, amazing relationships. You know, I, this is a really near and dear subject to me because, uh, you know, for the majority of my life, I've lived it without boundaries and without speaking up. And, uh, you know, so it's only been in recent time where it's been a new thing for me. And um, so I'm very familiar with what it's like to not know how to exercise boundaries, not uh, speaking up. Um, in, uh, in 2010, I had uh, I'd just gotten saved. Uh, my heart had just opened up, and um, I felt God's love in a really remarkable way. And I was talking about things that I thought never bothered me, but at that time I just felt this whole flurry of different um, emotions I'd never experienced, and people were there for me. And, I, and that was... That was incredible. And um, so I thought that I'd made some movement in that, uh, at least in, <laughs> in speaking up. Later in that year, um, I got into a relationship and I thought, man, I was like, this is awesome. I, uh, I can share my heart, somebody can receive it. And I was like, I thought this would be, uh, this was the model of, of a great relationship. So um, about uh, three months in, um, me and my uh, me and my ex at the time we were, um, you know, I was at her I was at her place. I was in her bedroom. She was uh, doing some chores in the uh, in the apartment, and we decided we were going to spend an evening in downtown Walnut Creek, um, just the afternoon together. And uh, so she's getting everything kind of uh, together, getting her chores done, and um, and I'm just waiting there. I'm just looking at my phone, um, and then I'm just you know just looking at my phone, and then she. Uh, all of a sudden, I hear her phone vibrate, and um, and so I'm just standing there, and uh, you know, out of out of curiosity, I just kind of peeked over and looked at what it said, and um, it was uh, it was from this guy, and the text message when I read it, it just said, um, you know, would you would you like to go on a date, beautiful, and um, and at first I thought my first thought was just kind of like, is this guy, is this guy serious, like. Um, I really didn't know what to make of that. And then uh, a second later, another message came in, which was, would you like to see the Vikings game tomorrow? And so at that point, I think what registered was that this guy was really asking my girlfriend at the time out. Um, and I just remember thinking, I was just like, I remember feeling um, insecure. I was doubting just kind of what this relationship was. I thought that, um, you know, it flew in the face of everything I built up in, in my own mind. Uh, you know, and so the uh, thing is, is that I, uh, I was afraid of what she might respond to this message. So I chose uh, to not say anything. So we went out into downtown Walnut Creek where we're walking around. There's, if you've ever been, there's a beautiful place. And so lots of shops and lots of really wonderful restaurants. And, um, and so I just remember... Uh, we're walking through this little plaza, and I just said to her, um, I was like, you know, would you, you know, would you be up for seeing the Vikings game tomorrow? I know you really like football, and think it'd be great to uh, spend time together. So, um, so what she told me, I remember, I remember this clearly. She actually looked at me and she said, you know, I, uh, you know, I actually have to study for this math test tomorrow, and I'm going to have to be at state. And so I think, first off, I got upset and I just pressed and I said you know I just thought it'd be you know 
you know, I, if you're going to get out early, you know, I thought it would be great to see it. I thought you really liked football. That's what I told her. And so uh, she said, you know, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, this is a really important test for me. If I don't pass this, then, you know, I got to do it again. So, um, so I said, okay, that's right. That's fine. And so, um, next time I saw her, uh, you know, I had learned her password to her phone. It's, uh, it's, um, I, read, I read through the message, and uh, what it said was, it said it basically had confirmed that they had met up, and so that, you know, that they had a great, you had a great time seeing her, and, um, and I just remember really being upset about that, and I just remember feeling like, when I read this, I felt like the more I read into it, the more she was pulling away, and the more I wanted to I wanted to salvage that. And, uh, and so she came out and, uh, you know, I put the phone down and I walked up to her and, and she looked at me. She could actually see what was going on in my mind. She could see it through my eyes and she was just saying, um, you know, she said, I just remember, she just said, you know, what's, what's wrong? You, you just seem, uh, you just seem a little insecure today. And so I told her, um, I just remember feeling like anger. I just felt like, you know, I just wanted to kind of let her have it. I wanted to say, you know, what, what was this? And, um, you know, seriously, if you want away from this relationship, you could have had that any time. But when it came to the moment that I was going to tell her, I actually looked at her and I said, um, nothing. I'm, I'm just tired right now. I'm a little tired. Um, so thing is, is that my own lack of boundaries, they revealed themselves in, in relationships. And if you take a look, because in, Bible, in the Bible, Ephesians 4.15, now what it's saying is, Ephesians 4.15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, Christ. Now, it says that we are to speak the truth in love because, you know, if you think about it, you get two different ingredients if you don't have, uh, you know, if you don't have, you know, truth, what's, you know, what's truth without love, but also what is love without truth. They, they actually go hand in hand. It's a really nifty little formula, but, but it also says if you go down a little further down into Ephesians 4.25, therefore, uh, putting away lying, each one of you uh, each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one, members of one another. So what it's saying is that we, we put away lying. So what that implies is, you know, we're to be honest with each other, with ourselves. And, you know, if we're not, there's really no way that we can even communicate honestly. So how can we do that? One way is that you can also include people that are going to be more upfront with you. Fellowship's a wonderful way to do that, you know, because... The thing is, is that honesty does show how much you really care about a person. I think about, like, you know, as I'm retelling the story, I, uh, I still remember actually looking at her, and I just, you know, I'm thinking all these things. Um, and I chose to say nothing. So I, I could paint a bad picture of the relationship on her end, but, you know, the loving thing on my end would have been to say something, you know, because the thing is that love, love doesn't mean that we're to be compliant. 
So I think, I think that's a key difference, which is it's having clarity in what's yours and what's not. And essentially what compliant means is that, that we're just obeying. Love is not that. So the thing is, is what can happen, and this is what it did for me, is that, um, is that it can paralyze your ability to say no. It paralyzed my ability to say no to that relationship. Um, so, and even if it's to a bad relationship, you know, but recognizing unhealthy patterns, I think for me, um, the thing is that was difficult was that I think that why it was so hard for me to set boundaries and also to say no is because I always thought it was just punishing another person. Um, so that was where I became paralyzed. So it, it developed things of like fears of abandonment that she would leave and how do I, how do I get her back? So the more I experienced her uh, pushing away, the more I felt like I was losing her. You know, and despite what was happening, you know, these text messages were pretty clear on both ends as far as what was happening, but I still thought I had a great relationship. Um, you know, so I, I began to worry that if I was like, if I was going to speak up, that I would lose her. Um, you know, but so I think one of the things that was for me was that I made it a point to not say no. Um, you know, take a look, actually. Follow me in uh, Matthew 537. where it says, uh, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. So if you think about this, it's not saying to wiggle on it, you know, but let it be what you're saying, you know. And the thing is, is that, and I totally get this too, because if you think about any, any single uh, conversation you have where you've had to say no, no is a confrontational word. It's, uh, you know, it's, but the thing is, it's probably one of the most basic boundary setting words that's out there, you know. So that's why I think it's important to be clear on what uh, on your no and your yes. It's in, it's crucial, you know. And I think that that's what I just to go back to what I was saying before was that I always thought that it would endanger the relationship if I said no, you know. Um, so I would be compliant, but if you think back to what I was just telling you, um, I had a bunch of resentment. I was being compliant. That I would not say was <laughs> was loving her. Um, but I think one of the things that's what's crucial is it can be helpful to remember that saying no, it protects love, you know, because we're protecting it from things that can possibly destroy it. You know, one of the things that, you know, I'm going to take this same relationship was that I honestly wanted to be every single thing that I could for her. And <laughs> it's not just on the emotional level, but it's also, I mean, gosh, uh, you know, we... We did a bunch of things. We would go hiking. I would pay for those trips. Trips to Monterey. I'm from Vallejo. It's a three-hour drive. I would pay for those. We, I paid for memberships for the aquarium. We only went once, and I bought a year pass. So, you know, and I think it even got to the point where it was just like, I couldn't even say no. It was the kind of thing where it's like I wanted to salvage this relationship that, and most of you guys know that I'm also an actor, but it got to a point where I was almost going to give up going to acting class, not spend the money on this, to salvage this relationship. So that's how much it, I wanted to be anything I could for her. And the thing is, is that, you know, a theme I think that's been prominent in my own life is that, and you know, and I've seen it for others, is that uh, it's you want to surround yourself with people that can coach you. You know, you want to surround yourself with folks in fellowship in the body of Christ. 
it can help to practice no's even with small things, uh, smaller situations. Not anything as heated as probably as I did, but um, because I think it can be extremely difficult to measure your own growth when you're in the experience of it. You know, um, so here's, here's what I would say is a couple of steps to recognizing what's under the uh, umbrella of, of my power or, you know, is that, you know, boundaries are a way to love another person. You know, I, I can tell you I've had probably the scariest conversations, but the thing is I've always developed respectful relationships because I'd always just told them where I was at and what I was prepared to do. Um, and also the other thing is that it's, it's in our ability to ask God and others to show us what it is that we're not seeing and submit those inabilities to God. You know, and the thing is, is that the through line of it all is that the Bible says to love one another, but not to be one another. You know, so I would say that I'd say the fellowship has probably been one of the biggest pieces of it because my life is drastically different now is, you know, I've had. I can give you one example, which is that um, I, have, I have a friend of mine who uh, uh, a good friend of mine and uh, older woman but was just incredibly stubborn about things like her schedule. And, uh, you know, she would, like I kid you not, she would say the kind of things like, you know, I have to go to Costco on Sundays to get my gas. And, you know, from where she lives, it's probably about a 30-minute drive. So she was not looking at this situation in any other way. She was very passionate about it, too. I remember that. Um, but that was scary, though, because I was 27 at the time, and she was probably in her 50s. So it's like, you know, when she's like that, it's like, how do I approach that? It was the kind of thing where it's like she was asking for help, but I, everything I gave at her, you know, she would deflect it. So, but I think overall, one thing that's been uh, amazing is that you, overall, you want to invite closeness. Um, you know, and if it's received, you have a closer friendship. And if you don't, you know, that, you know, may not be a relationship you want to fight for. You know, it may not be the one that you're wanting. Um, but... I would say also is that uh, you, you, you generally, if you're single, you can step back into the body of Christ. And, you know, if you're not dating, stepping into the body of Christ to get definition helps. Being in fellowship with people that are doing the exact same thing. And also, and also be patient. You know, um, it, it requires a great deal of gentleness and, again, and patience. Because uh, for me, developing my yeses and my noes were things that took, I kid you not, it's probably about four years now to do that. But I, but I leave you guys with this, though, which is that uh, fellowship has probably one, been one of the most amazing transform, more transformative things that I've ever experienced. And I leave you with uh, Psalm 51.6. And I think that this has been probably one of the most uh, amazing things that I've ever seen in, uh, in my own life, which is, here's what, here's what it says. So behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. So, guys, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Get plugged in. Oh, gosh, you know, we have fellowships here. How did that happen? We're all here. Um, so, guys, get, get plugged in. Get plugged in because it's, it's life-changing. And most importantly, your voice is so, so important. Um, and that's why I think it's worth fighting for. So thank you very much, guys. God bless you guys.